Hey everybody, welcome to Today in Space. This is a special bonus episode. I know we usually put out once a week on Thursday mornings, but the Demo 2 launch for Launch America, America's Return to Space Flight, happened this weekend. We, f- we found a launch window. They were able to launch. It was successful. And so this is, this is for anyone who missed it and wants to catch up on what happened and, and want to see what we were talking about. Uh, I had a lot to share, a lot of things I learned over this experience. Uh, and and I mean, I'm still, I'm still feeling it. It's crazy to, to to think that just like that, overnight, where where America has the ability to launch humans into space. Now, as we're recording this, we're about an hour and a half, two hours away from uh, Bob Bankin and Doug Hurley, the astronauts on board the the Dragon spacecraft called Endeavor, uh, because the, the astronauts are, are able to name the spacecraft. Um, they're going to be docking very soon to the ISS, so we wish them luck with that. That is, you know, they're making the final approach um, to be able to safely dock with the ISS, and, and, and that's it, folks. So if, if you're trying to catch up, that's what this episode is for. If you missed it, we got you. We've got the NASA broadcast in the background. This is when we went live on Facebook, and we had a lot of fun. Thank you, everybody, for joining in. We're going to try and do these more often. I've finally figured out the live setup here in the studio. So uh, without further ado, enjoy this week's uh, launch uh, of America's return to human spaceflight. It's uh, it's really exciting. So uh, make sure to enjoy, spread the word. Again, if you have anyone who's interested in space, please send them our way. We've got a bunch of interviews coming up with people who are who have found their passion in space and they all have a unique story and I've really, really enjoyed talking to everybody about that. We've got another episode like that coming up this Thursday uh, with Wayne Newmeyer. He's a prop maker, an actual rocket scientist, and uh, is going to be working on some of the stuff that's coming up here as as, as he works for a NASA contractor. Um, so he's going to be making history, but he also does amazing work on his own. He's got really cool stuff going on. I had a pleasure talking with him. That's this Thursday, 6 a.m. That'll be out. Um, you can listen to it then. Uh, that's it, folks. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time for Today in Space. folks. Welcome to Today in Space. We're back here uh, May 30th. We've gotten the go for launch here, so uh, we're we're sitting ready. Uh, we've got the broadcast in the background. We'll be pulling that up in between. Um, yeah, guys, we, we are super, super close. We've got 21 minutes. There's the countdown clock there. We've got our NASA broadcast here. Um, on the window. How are you guys doing? How are you hanging in there? Um, it is an instantaneous launch window, so we pretty much get one shot at this. If there's any holds for any reasons, uh, we, we we will not be able to launch today. And the backup is tomorrow, Sunday, 3 p.m. Uh, but we're here to share some things uh, that we've found, that we've learned since the, uh, since the last launch. Uh, some pretty cool things, honestly. Um, one of the things that I really wanted to talk about today was just 
just the, the, the bring up the teamwork that brought us here. You know, there's there's so much that we can really learn from from NASA and SpaceX working together. And, and, and we talked we started this year talking about the, the, the balance and how the, the really the best case scenario for the space industry in general, not only for the US but for the world, because what we have right now, continuous human spaceflight, is because of the International Space Station. That's been possible. The reason we've been able to bring human beings is because we've had an international partnership with the with Russian Space uh, Agency, Roscosmos, and the Soyuz system. Um, all of that is because of teamwork. So, uh, you know, as crazy and strange and revealing uh, this time of, of humanity is in the uh, in in 2020, what I'm hoping for is that this is just a uh, a small beacon of hope of what can be done. Uh, because, man, we, we need something good to look forward to. <laughs> 2020 has not been that great. So, um, But there's a rocket launch in 20 minutes, folks. So um, feel free, if you have any questions, we're just going to go to the launch audio here for a little bit. Let us know if you have any questions. I have some cool things to share with you in a few minutes here. Hope you're having a good day. And thank you for joining us today. I, I do appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us here. We do appreciate you. Continuing, and right now that's a little more than that's about sixty percent of the way full. So things are looking good. Second stage is getting ready to begin the liquid oxygen. And then for those uh, just joining, they are fueling the rocket right now. So both astronauts, Bob. Uh, Bankin and Doug Hurley are on board, they're in position, and they are fueling the rocket right now. They don't fuel it until the astronauts are on board. And part of the reason for that is because they want to be able to have the ability to escape if anything goes wrong. Because fueling is, you know, you're compressing uh, fuel and your oxidizer together. And if either of those blow, you could cause a spark and you need to be able to escape. So the Super Draco engines that are located here are what would help us. You can actually see it in the image here, these these little pockets here. Um, the, right inside there are the Super Draco engines. And the cool thing about the Super Draco engine, you know, if you guys remember, the the crew escape system for, you know, Saturn V and, and, and Space Shuttle, well, not Space Shuttle, but Saturn V was that, that tall rocket, right, on the top of the spacecraft that would be like here. And it was actually what brought the crew away. It would, it would light by itself. And the Super Draco engines that would do that for the Dragon spacecraft are, were actually 3D printed. That's how they got them in there um, and how they were able to keep, keep this thing so slim and, uh, and, and form-fitting is they were actually able to build something that wasn't traditionally possible. That's the beauty of what 3D printing offers, especially, and you can see uh, that image here. Do we have that? I just want to make sure. You guys can see this. So this is the Super Draco engine here. And so this this was only possible due to 3D printing as a manufacturing option. It was the only way to get something this complex as a rocket engine to, to fit into this area. And, and in space, it's all about weight. It's all about that form factor and making sure that you are, are controlling every variable you can, right? So the lighter your rocket or the, the, the tighter you keep it and... and and keep the mass down, the more fuel that you'll be able to use to perform and make moves so you have more like a slush room in your in your launch ability. So these Super Draco engines, uh, these were made from, I believe it was the 
SLM process. Let's pull this up here so I can so I can read this to y'all. Um, so this one was made uh, was 3D printed on an EOS metal 3D printer, um, and so basically using they were using an Inconel super alloy uh, for superior strength, ductility, fracture resistance, and a lower variability uh, in material properties. So basically something that's reliable. Um, and they're taking this thing from 20% throttle to 100% throttle and to be able to do it a bunch of different times. And this was, I remember this, I saw this video the other day and this is, this is old school SpaceX here from, I want to say like 2015 when they were first talking about Crew Dragon. And they had the Super Draco engine test. I remember seeing this, seeing those shock diamonds from that thing coming out. Yeah, it's it's a super powerful engine. Again, 3D printed, and they were doing that over in uh, McGregor, Texas. And this was back when they were just talking about using those to land it on the launch pad when it came back. Obviously, NASA went back and said, that's not safe enough. We're, <laughs> we're not doing that. Um, but th this, is, this is kind of the magic of what both have brought to the table, you know, how they're able to work together, this balance, SpaceX having this, you know, let's test as many times as we can, as cheaply as we can, so that we can get the best data to move quickly, to solve problems. And we were talking about this this morning, like, that's a really good, it just gives you more things to work with. Uh, instead of saying, you know, hey, we've got, let's just say, $6 billion. We're going to build three of these, and they have to work each time. Instead, you know, and, and working with different contractors, you know, paying a bunch of stuff. Oh, wait, I, I do want to pause. Uh, the president and COO of SpaceX is talking, Gwen Shotwell. She's awesome. Let's listen in. Countdown is clean today, just like it was Wednesday. Uh, we did clear the weather hurdles sooner mm -hmm. uh, than we did on Wednesday. And the only thing we're watching right now is downrange weather and lightning at the staging location. Of course. But we will clear that hurdle at uh, T-minus seven minutes. Awesome. Great. Very exciting. Seven minutes. Um, now I'm going to throw it back to 2012 because you were on console for Dragon when it was first making its way to the space station. How does that experience compare to today? So, uh, I was nervous then. I stopped getting nervous for launches. Today I'm nervous again. <laughs> Super nervous. Stomach and throat. Understand. Um, hey everybody, how you doing? I'm just checking fantastic, out the chat. Fantastic day today. I'm really Hello. excited. The team is pulled together. It's such a professional operation. When I say team, by the way, I mean SpaceX and NASA. This, uh, these folks have been working incredibly hard and have done an, a, a fantastic job. Yes, and we are all so excited. And we know that you have to get back into, inside of Mission Control, but is there anything that you wanted to say before liftoff to NASA and SpaceX? Well, I want to thank NASA, of course, uh, for their, uh, their generosity and their help with getting to this place. I want to thank all the SpaceXers who have come together uh, to make this moment uh, in history, and uh, I want to thank Elon for hiring me. <laughs> we thank Elon for hiring you. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. We'll let you get back to Mission Control. Guess she's the best. Um, and good luck with launch today. Thanks, Jesse, and Godspeed, Bob and Doug. <laughs> Well, we are so excited. You know, and just just so you, if you guys don't know Gwen Shotwell, she is an absolute badass. I mean, she is pioneering this next era of business in space. She's going out there making the deals with all these different companies that are launching their stuff into space. I mean, she's the first one bringing to the table a new offering of 
of delivering things into orbit with the Falcon 9 and the Falcon Heavy, um, you know, and having her at the helm also, you know, being the COO, being the, the people person. I've heard stories of, you know, her first talk when, when people first joined that some of these people might be the next astronauts, you know, especially in the private corps. And like, Every, it just from what I know of the people that work there, it's it's filled with some of the smartest people on the planet, and the people that are absolutely passionate and wanted to make a difference in their own lifetimes. Um, and this was as far as like being an aerospace engineer or or going to a rocket company to work on things going to space. SpaceX offers that dream of while well, we can really make a difference, we don't have to worry about funding from politicians. It's it's an issue, but it's way less of an issue when you can actually be able to work hands on with the hardware and to have the opportunity the way SpaceX does it to have everything under their own roof to to work on it. It's that's that's the dream. That's that's an amazing place, and there's amazing people working on it. All right, we've got 12 minutes yeah, to launch. Now, John, it's only a little over 12 minutes away. Hey, what's up, Dimitri? Yes, big day. Big day. Thank you for joining us, everybody. We'll have some dueling boxes going on as the first stage is going to be coming home while the second stage is carrying Bob and Doug into orbit. So obviously, we'll be keeping an eye on our astronauts the whole way uphill. Some of the calls that you'll be hearing... Is there One of the other things, you know, I talked about the thing that SpaceX brings to the table, and and the I think the important thing, NASA's balance is really doing something that nobody's ever done before, right? SpaceX is doing something, uh, uh, you know, reusability, which was done by the space shuttle first, but they're kind of tweaking it. They're kind of like the Henry Ford of, of spacecraft. They're making this thing really usable and affordable, where NASA does things that no one's ever done, like landing rovers on the moon, like um, sending that helicopter that's going to fly on Mars, you know, doing the first things. That's what NASA's really good at. And so when when they had to take that same approach and do something like Space Launch System, which is this big, audacious thing that's the first time to basically build a rocket that can bring us, can, can send humans throughout the solar system, I mean, that's a that's a massive rocket with many different options to launch, but it doesn't it doesn't allow them to compete at the speed that funding is available, right? So every four years, basically, there's a chance that the whole space agency could get shaken up and they're going to do something different. We got really lucky that it didn't happen, and we're continuing the stuff that we're doing with Launch America, Commercial Crew is, you know, what it was, the program that was called, SpaceX and Boeing being involved. But, um, you know, it's... It's it's the fact that now they're both learning from each other. That's the the, the biggest thing here. Yes. Question from Rick: How long will the astronauts be on the space space station? That's a very good question, Rick. Uh, so the the actual length of the mission from the from the, at least from the last broadcast, last time I heard, it's kind of indefinite. So it's a test flight. So this is a very, you know, even though it's awesome we're sending astronauts and it's a first launch again, it is, this is the first time it's ever been flown. So everything is kind of theoretical right now. So it's supposed to, I think they mentioned 120 days on the broadcast. Um, that's what they're reaching for. That's what a lot of the things, especially I think it was the solar panels they were talking about, are rated for 114 days. Don't, don't quote me on that, but it's, it's around that mark. And so if, if they get to a point, and uh, the administrator, Jim Bryancy, mentioned this, in the interview on Wednesday, if it looks good, they may go longer. 
So um, they have the things that they're going to do. They're going to be doing uh, spacewalks and EVAs, uh, extravehicular activities, a.k.a. a a spacewalk, um, on the space station. So they have a lot of things they're going to do, and obviously there's a ton to learn from the spacecraft itself. So um, that's about 120 days is what we're looking at. Oh man, we're close, folks. We're close, and I mean, this is this is how crazy this kind of thing is. Uh, I, I don't remember. I, I don't think we said I said it during the broadcast, but um, they were mentioning earlier that uh, you know the last space shuttle mission, uh, Doug Hurley, he's the first astronaut you see on the screen here. Bob Bankin uh, further down uh, in the second seat on the uh, Crew Dragon. Uh, Doug Hurley, the first astronaut, he was on the last mission. It, it was five times scrubbed before it launched on STS-135. So uh, they launched on that sixth time. So uh, it's that time of year in Florida. I mean, Florida's tropical climate. They basically said, okay, we're comfortable. Like, Wednesday's scrub, even though it was a scrub and they didn't launch, that was a huge pivotal moment for SpaceX because they were able to put humans on board, fuel the rocket, get the fuel off, get the astronauts off safely. And then they've been on time today. They were ahead of schedule loading the the crew on board. So it's really amazing. Um, And one of the things people may ask is, why Bob and Doug? Why are these two astronauts the ones on this mission? And a, a big thing that Bob and Doug did because of their experience with Space Shuttle and all the, you know, Space Shuttle's been around 70s through the 2000s. That's a long time with a lot. They had it down pat of what was good for human beings. They learned through the disasters, and there was only two throughout 135 missions, right, of of the space long, the space transport system, the space shuttle. So those these two astronauts were kind of like our, our SpaceX's and America's return. They're kind of like the shepherds of what's good for launching human beings. So uh, they were the ones that trained SpaceX and everybody else involved to get us there. And so they they obviously get the honor of being the first ones. And they're both test pilots, from what I understand. And this is what they make a living doing. So they're super excited. I mean, this is this is a dream to fly the vehicle for the first time. Um, this is what they live for. So uh, they, they couldn't be any any better, the, the crew, to do that. And there's also veterans for when Boeing's Starliner launches. Uh, we have veterans on there from the Space Shuttle days that are going to be launching. And it, it, it this is so cool that these astronauts, you know, 2011, when it retired, they kind of everyone was looking around going, like, what are we going to do? You know, the, the they were talking about it, uh, Bob Cabana, the director, um, we had a chance to meet a really nice guy. Um, he was was mentioning that you know the the space shuttle landed on Thursday, and but two thousand contractors got a pink slip the next day, and they they didn't have work. So um, the, it, when when you feel the angst in the early episodes of this podcast, it's because it it's a reflection of what that in, what the industry was. You know, the industry died that day. the The whole industry was based around the space shuttle. It disappears, and so. 
that's that's where all the work went. And then all the companies that were building themselves to launch stuff to test an orbit, whether it's you know new drugs that it can only be developed in the microgravity of space, or or delivering things into orbit, satellites. Uh, all of these things kind of kind of drifted into nothingness. So um, it's amazing. That's why this launch America is such a an important thing, and it'll it'll fizzle out. It'll slowly become the commercial crew program and Artemis eventually. Um, there, there was definitely some some people upset with the fact that it was called Launch America. I think because they other countries feeling that like they can't get involved, um, but. The, the reason it's Launch America is because it's America's ability. We we, we kind of did it to ourselves. So this is just a, a reignition of what we can do. And the the good thing about the the parallel un, the, the universe that we live in right now is that uh, space is an international partnership. That is that is how they've set it up. So we have a really good footing uh, to move in the future uh, as this develops and. Um, you know, one of the things that I do want to talk about, again, if you have any questions, please leave leave them in the uh, comments below. We've got just under five minutes, um, which is amazing. Crazy. <laughs> uh, now, the Falcon 9, the rocket that you see here on the screen, um, that has, has, has proven itself to be uh, a term that I, I used to ha have a hard time with, which was flight, uh, flight, ready, flight reliable, um, because back in 2011, back when the space shuttle ended, there was still a lot of uh, anxiety of, of losing human life, so nothing launched unless it had gone through m so much paperwork to, to be proven that it could actually be used in space, um, which which kind of delayed things from getting developed. It was, it was not, not the right approach, and the Falcon 9 has now gotten to this point where it is not only the first rocket to land on, you know, land itself and be reused, um, but it's it's shown itself to be completely reliable in the mission success, right? Because if you can land a rocket, great, whatever. But if it doesn't deliver the payload, what's the what's the use? And it's it's sent not only the Dragon capsule to the International Space Station, but plenty of other things into orbit. Um, payloads, satellites, things for other customers, um, 85 successful missions launching into space out of, I believe it was 87 total. Mm -hmm. So very, very high reliability for the Falcon 9. And then basically the, the Crew Dragon that's on top, that is our test vehicle. But um, we should expect, I haven't heard anything about the Falcon 9 not landing today, so we may even get that as well. Um, but of course, the most important thing is the mission, which is sending the astronauts. So... Um, the, we've got about three minutes left, folks. Three minutes. We're gonna we're gonna start uh, transitioning over here to full screen, uh, so we can get that. Uh, again, feel free to leave your comments. We're here for you. Thanks for joining us. Launch America, people. Okay, we're T minus two minutes forty two seconds. Stage one locks load is closed out. Stage two will continue to load for about another half a minute or so. Once we get so stage one, folks, is the bottom half of this rocket. This has been fueled. Stage two, right here, right underneath the crew dragon, that is what's fueling right now. So f filled here, and now we're filling here. 
So it's just internal power. At a certain point, this, the rocket does take over. Um, how long will it take to get to the space station? Great question, Cindy. Um, so it's going to be actually a really long trip for these astronauts uh, to go into orbit. They're actually expected to sleep. I think it's eight hours on the trip. I think it's 19 hours total uh, f f after going on the launch pad. And that's they're they're required to sleep eight hours so that they're good and rested so that they get that the docking to the ISS which is obviously the the most tricky part after getting into space um, so that 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 can happen and they're they got their wits about them so that's because of the orbit that they're taking to get there right yes yes so they basically the the International Space Station has um, is moving seventeen thousand five hundred miles per hour around the planet, and so they have to get to the same speed and then the same uh, orbit, orbital height as, uh, as the International Space Station. Uh, the what, what's your question here? What has caused so much time to pass since the last time a space program performed a mission like this? Great question. I'll try and do it in under a minute here mm -hmm. uh, while getting changed over. Uh, it's been a long road because we retired the space shuttle in 2011, and since then we didn't have an ability to launch human beings into orbit. We, we had our Russian partners with the Soyuz system that did that, but I think it was $80 million a seat per astronaut, so that's very expensive. Um, it's a, it's, and sending one rocket is obviously with, with SpaceX is much cheaper since they reuse them. All right, uh, let's go. We're 40 seconds, folks. What? We're, this is very close to happening. All right, they're going for launch. T minus 30 seconds. T minus 30. Holy moly. Here we go. Here we go. 24, folks. Woo! Woo! All right. Remember, we've got Crew Dragon's launch abort system that can, in, if there's any case, unlikely, but it will be used to get the astronauts away if anything goes wrong. But we've got a reliable rocket here. Nine, eight, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Yeah. Light this candle, baby! Send it! Here we go. Alright, folks. Here we go. Nine Merlin engines. Wow. Alright, folks. Here we go. The Falcon 9. The cornerstone of reliability in the space industry. Also, the, one of the cheapest rides into space right now, especially for sending humans. Alright, folks. So, we're at liftoff. The next thing that's going to happen is max Q, which is the, the, the point of the launch where the air outside, the vibrations, the, the largest force on the rocket is at max Q. And so, if we get through that, and they actually pull back the throttle so that they can survive through this because it could literally shake the whole thing apart. The uh, abort test that they did with the Crew Dragon aborted during this moment. We're at max Q. We've exceeded Mach 1 on the Falcon 9. We're at Mach 1, folks. M1D throttle up. All right, so now they're going to pull up the throttle to get themselves to orbit. Woohoo! Here we go, folks. That's a big, big milestone right there. It's not over, but we're, this is huge. That one Bravo call out. That's just the second abort zone that they're in. They'll continue to be on this until the first stage has done its job. So we've got our crew there with their touchscreens. It's such a wild difference compared to the shuttle days. 
Tracking is uh, a little low, but there, there we go. There's our our flame. So they are the main engine. The the flames that you're seeing right now. The main engines are going to cut off in a little bit here, and then the second stage is going to ignite. We'll have main engine cutoff of the nine first stage engines, stage separation, and then ignition of the second stage engine to continue to carry astronauts into orbit. Look at that view, folks. Coming up in a right there. M1D throttle down. All right. We're about 2 minutes, 25 seconds at the launch. We're about to have the main engine cut off. First stage separate, go back down to Earth, and the second stage, keep bringing those astronauts and the Crew Dragon into orbit. And we have Miko. Main engine cutoff. That's Miko. Not Nico. Miko. <laughs> there it is. There's our first stage. Woo! And there we go. So this rocket is specifically designed to be launched in the vacuum of space. Uh, that's why it's called the MBAC engine. Right, engine. Um, but there's our crew, folks. Dude, this is... Being powered by that single Merlin 1D vacuum engine has ignited... The, I can't believe this is happening right now. <laughs> they look chill. They look real chill. They it's designed to be the most comfortable ride into space. The Cadillac. The Cadillac. But the price, it's a Honda Civic. <laughs> it's a Tesla. It's a Tesla. It's a Tesla. <laughs> One of the other things that the touchscreen uh, brings, uh, Leland Melvin, one of the astronauts from the space shuttle era, a uh, great guy, um, he was mentioning, because he flew in the space shuttle with all those buttons and switches, the touchscreens actually help them achieve more in a in, in, in shorter amount of time than you would with all those switches. So the touchscreen is actually, and the way that the spacecraft is operating, is supposed to be giving us, uh, or giving the astronauts, of the ability to do more, which is awesome. Oh my, they're so chill. It, it, I mean, this is, <laughs> these are military men. They, uh, they, they have their mission. Um, they're test pilots, so I mean, I'm sure their nerves are crazy, but yeah, they make it look so easy. It is, man. Martin, I'm glad you're on, man. Hope you're doing well. All right, folks, so this is, all right, so we are, second stage is bringing them closer into orbit. What they're trying to do is the space station is going 17,500 miles per hour around the planet. I know it always looks like it's standing still, but that's because there's something at the same speed looking at it whenever we look back down at Earth at it. Um, any of those images was like a space shuttle looking down at it as it was docking. Um, so they need to get to that speed. They're only at uh, 9,400 kilometers per hour um, right now, and they're only at 190 kilometers. I'm not, I'm not in, in altitude. I, I don't know the, the actual altitude off the top of my head, but basically what they're going to do is get to the point where they're going to do a burn to enter the orbit they need to, to be in, um, uh, which they'll, they'll continue to do. The entry burn, the first stage, is actually coming down. So we're going to have the entry burn for the first stage. You can see on the right there, I don't know if it's visible in the screen, I think it is. Um, but the, you can see on the right side we have the Falcon 9. That's the first stage. And we're looking, we're looking down to the planet Earth. And what they're doing is they're, they're, they're 
getting the rocket to, you know, you launched it up, went back, and then eventually it has to return back and position itself so that it can be level to the planet. This reentry burn is gonna is gonna slow its speed so that it can get to the point where it can actually try and land. And we are seeing a landing burn here, which means we're gonna see the first stage land, and we're gonna get astronauts into into space, which is uh, an absolute treat. Uh, and weirdly enough, landing a first stage rocket has kind of become routine, which uh, bums me out. But I'm gonna enjoy them still. I think they're they're wild that it even happens. I mean, literally, when when the space shuttle was retired and SpaceX was working on this technology. Some of the most esteemed experts and people that are were, were the greatest minds didn't think that having the ability to, to have reusable rockets was even possible. It was a waste of time, too much money. You'd never get it right. Um, and that's the magical thing about science is with enough time, with enough data, with and, and at a certain point, if you do what you're supposed to do to, to prove out, eventually... The evidence speaks for itself, and 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 the mindset changes, and that's what SpaceX has done. They've uh, just in reusability. I mean, you see all these other companies now changing their approach to this reusable approach because you just can't compete with the cost. It's like flying an airplane to from Boston to Los Angeles and just leaving it. You're done. That's it. I'm done with the plane. Like that would be an expensive ticket. This allows them to do four, five launches on this basically the same amount of money. It's way cheaper for someone to launch it to space. That's what we need. There's our entry burn. You can see first stage is slowing itself back down. And those grid fins that you see right there, um, those are, as it enters the atmosphere, goes out from the vacuum of space, and it, it encounters more and more particles of air. It's going to need to, well, it's going to want to twist and turn. And those grid fins are going to actuate to keep the rocket in the right position for its momentum so that at the last moment they do a landing burn, the legs deploy, and it lands. I think, based on the position of this, this is going to land in the middle of the ocean, but um, on, on a drone ship, but I, I haven't looked that up, so we'll, we'll see. we got cloud coverage. We'll see in a second here. Let's listen in. Such a cool view on your left screen, seeing Bob and Doug on Dragon. Yeah, it's. I agree. All right, we're entering the clouds with the first stage on the right there. And this is going to happen real, real fast. So Seco, uh, that's uh, second engine, uh, uh, the second stage engine cut off. So that's the engine that's been bringing them up further into that orbit. That is going to cut off here in just a second. And then that engine is going to cut down. Not a bad place to land. Yeah, take me with you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so second engine has now sh cut down. Oh, look at all the staff, man. It's time. All right, so we're on the autonomous drone ship today. So we're... Uh, I will say the landing burn is happening right now. We're going to start seeing it's going to start getting bright, and then it's going to land. Uh, it's going to happen very, very quickly here. What you're seeing on your screen Here is we go. Ship. It may cut out from the vibrations. The first stage will be coming down. Looks like we lost that live view. The drone ship is called, so of course, course I Still Love You. That <laughs> shortly here. There it is, folks. Yeah. Falcon 9, first stage has landed. This is the Did it again. 
That is such a crazy statistic. Folks, the first rocket to send American human beings into orbit again is also was reused. It's reusable. They can they could they could potentially launch human beings with the same rocket again. I think about the, the flight heritages and the history that could happen when we've got different blocks of Falcon Nines that have history. Um, they already do. It's wild. Um, Next step, we're, they're going to be deploying the Dragon spacecraft um, away from the the, the uh, second engine, the 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 plush uh, ba beanie baby you see there. Um, that uh, a bunch of people thought it was a bong um, online. Uh, no, they were not smoking marijuana on the Dragon spacecraft. Um, that is a teeny baby. It's a plush toy, which I'm sure is which actually apparently is sold out already on, on Amazon. It was sold out on Wednesday. Yeah. Um, they have kids, right? They do. They both do. And they're both married to astronauts. Wowee. Yes. Yes, they are. They're affectionately called the dads at SpaceX. <laughs> um, and it's fits. I mean, they're the great people, and they are literally doing that. They're teaching the, the, the kids of space, SpaceX, <laughs> how to do what the dads have done before. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. All right, so you're, the image on the left is the inside um, between the Crew Dragon spacecraft and the second engine, uh, second stage engine, and we'll deploy in a little bit here, but we're just going to listen to some audio. Wow. Just like folding his hands casually. Yeah. Yeah. Chilling. Good old good Commander Bob. <laughs> Chilling. 27,000 meters per second. Wow. Or about 16,000 miles per hour. This is crazy. Any uh, questions now? Okay. Again, we're just standing by. That separation event should be coming up shortly. Then they'll begin a series of checks. On Almost the 12 so minutes into flight, folks. That's how that's how quickly people get into space. 12, 12 or so minutes. Standing uh, by for separation. Wild. Expected loss of signal. Wallops. All right. We had an expected LOS loss of signal with one of the ground stations. Here goes deploy. So uh, loss of signal. Oh, there it is, folks. There's the inside of the Dragon spacecraft. Here's here's what you're looking at here as the Dragon separates. And there's that call out. Dragon is now officially Guys, this is of all of the years that SpaceX has been working to get us to this point to 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 think that NASA and SpaceX are working together. If you asked me in 2011, I would not, I would not have said this is possible. But this is literally the best case scenario we could ask for in the space industry. It's not over. I'm not trying to get overzealous here. On behalf of the entire launch team, thanks for flying with Falcon 9 today. We hope you enjoyed the ride and wish you a great mission. <laughs> Woo! That's awesome. Thanks, Bala. Congratulations to you and the F9 team for the first uh, human ride for Falcon 9, and it was incredible. Uh, appreciate all the hard work, and uh, thanks for the great uh, rides of space. Woo! Be all. Oh, like it. Proud of you guys and the rest of the team. Uh, thank you so much for what you've uh, done for us today, putting America back into low Earth orbit up from the Florida coast. Good luck. Dude, told John, great, great point. Um, 
another thing that SpaceX has provided to the space industry um, is next-level visuals. I, I mean, the, the the camera work by the SpaceX team, even just the the whole dynamic of producing uh, a space launch. They've done such a great idea. Like even something subtle, like the the bottom of this uh, screen. I've, I've watched them develop the even the visuals of this. Um, that on the bottom is literally just a timeline of the mission, which you never had before. You never really had a, a visual indication. You kind of had to know where now they're slowly giving us information so that even if you're not super involved in space, you can pick on these little things and just know at a glance what's going on. I mean, there's so so many good things that they've helped uh, bring to the space industry. And again, thank goodness for NASA for being um, what we all want them to be and, and what, we, 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 what NASA is, which is a bunch of scientists and engineers, some of the smartest people in the world, Putting aside anything that might be, you know, um, some kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not bias, but, um, um, and, and of course, after meeting some of the competition, but um, um, pride. Pride is the word I'm looking for. Being like, no, this is the way we've got to do it. Saying, you know what, you guys are doing it better than we are. Let's adjust and they're even doing that in the way that they're approaching business. I mean, NASA's Kennedy Space Center is going to, is being primed to be a multi-user spaceport, so private industries, different countries, not just government operations, but anybody who wants to go to space, Spence, uh, the Kennedy Space Center is going to be this port that we can do that, and it's it's a mixture of a Air Force base and a National Wildlife Preserve. Like it's it's a crazy it's crazy. They've got alligators and snakes and and every everything you could turtles. Um, people drive by turtles on their way to work at Kennedy Space Center. I mean it, it it's it's such a crazy. I'm so glad that this is happening now and that we didn't lose. You know, it didn't get to the point where they had to shut down Kennedy Space Center or or you know, it's this is amazing using those touchscreen displays to take control and manually pilot Dragon will walk you through what that's going yeah. to look like. And those gloves, those astronaut gloves, are made so that you can get through the touchscreen. And everyone who's tried, you know, in the winter, especially up in New England, trying to do your phone with the gloves on, mm-hmm. uh, don't worry, they, they have that capacitive touch where they're actually able to get the touchscreen to work. So um, you don't have to be worried about tapping that screen. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is a day, this is a historical day. This is us... You know, it's such a, a, a stark difference. Is usually at these, usually at these SpaceX launches. There's um, usually in the background here where you see the opening. They they invite uh, people to watch, friends, family, coworkers. And of course, with COVID, we've got um, we, that, that is not happening. Uh, so so the the usual cheers that you hear uh, at these events with SpaceX, uh, it's not there. It's a little weird, but uh, we're here, folks. We. we we successfully have launched them into orbit. The mission is not over. They still need to uh, send our astronauts to the International Space Station and dock. But let's let's listen in a little bit here. Man, we're going to be back here on Sunday, but we we did it, yeah. and the room cleared out. Everybody was outside watching, and the and the inside the lights were shaking, the cameras were shaking. Lauren mm. came back in, tears <laughs> in her eyes. Uh, That's a, they do look super futuristic, and I love that they they do kind of look like F one suits. It would be really hilarious if they did start getting sponsors. That could happen with private private space corps um, uh, uh, of astronauts. I don't mean I'm not sure if they call them astronauts at that point. They could pick another name, but yeah, that would be 
sick to get funded, sponsored to go to space. I like it. I like it. American soil showing you what Americans can do when we come together as a team and blast Doug and, and Bob off to the cosmos. This is this is what it's all about. And their families and everyone is working together to uh, to take them up to space safely. So I'm I don't know what to say. I'm that rocket fuel is still in my in my veins and uh, I wanna go get on the rocket. <laughs> God, folks, this is this is a crazy time that we live in, a wild time that we live in. Um, Demo two, the first crude launch. Let's let's see who they uh, they have here. I have to say, NASA has has really really evolved in in their broadcast. I mean, to to think about the the amount of change and progress that they've made themselves um, is is so wild. Up, oh, we've got uh, administrator NASA Minister Jim Bridenstine. Launching human astronauts again. Tell me how you feel about that, and tell me about the He's critical. So this has been a long to where we are today. Um, it's been nine years since we've launched American astronauts on American rockets from American soil, and now it's done. <laughs> we have done it. It's been way too long. I want to give a lot of credit to Charlie Bolden. He was this man has worked his ass off for for us to get back to this point. For this program at a time when it didn't get any any support in Congress. Uh, we now have an administration that is fully supportive of, of our spaceflight initiatives, not just on the exploration, discovery, going to the moon, onto Mars, but also from a Space Force perspective. Our budgets are going up, things are strong, and today was just, uh, it was an, uh, uh, just an amazing day. You know, one of the things the president did right out of the gate when he became president is he created what did I do? the National Space Council. Space Council. As chairman of the National Space Council. I didn't want anything to do with it. You've got the Secretary of Defense and the Secretary of State and the Secretary of Commerce, the Secretary of Transportation, the Secretary of Education. Oh, my goodness, yeah. So, Kevin, I, I completely agree. How you doing, man? Um, he was talking about basically not sleeping at all, Elon Musk. Um, the amount of stress that the uh, SpaceX team and Elon Musk has had. I mean, yeah, it's the first time they're doing this. It's a huge thing for them. And, yeah, they... It's super stressful, but uh, I know I know those guys have been uh, working nonstop uh, to to make this possible. Um, thank you, Rick. Yeah, dude, this is wow. But I will also tell you, I am not going to celebrate until Bob and Doug are home safely. Yep. Um, tomorrow they're going to dock to the International Space Station. Tonight I'm heading to Houston. To be at the, the Johnson Space Center uh, when that happens, so um, it is it is a bit, it's a bit of a relief. The, the nose cone is now open; um, it's now deployed, uh, it's which means way. that um, you know now we're going to go into some some burns. We're going to have some phasing burns. We're going to have some um, some you know boosting burns, and we're going to get uh, as much as we can in alignment with the International Space Station um, as early as possible here. But also, um, I know it's hard. You know, the big thing that we need to do now is we got to get Bob and Doug, who have now gone through this exercise twice, they need to get some rest. It's total adrenaline. Um, but I, I can guarantee you there will be no rest for a good, a good amount of time while they're up there in orbit. And they are certainly on their way, and a lot of people joining us for this entire celebration. Yeah, so to think that you had to go through all that adrenaline to then have to go, all right, guys, you got 19 more hours. But you got to sleep for eight of them. <laughs> when are you going to do that? That's just insane. 
Um, but it, they, they need to be tip-top shape for, for docking. That's um, one of the things, and I, I think they're using it this time. I, I don't know, but they installed basically the way that they've been doing, especially uh, cargo, just delivering you know supplies and stuff like that, experiments. Um, they use the, the Canadarm2, which is the Canada Space Agency's robotic arm that, that grabs a spacecraft and helps dock it. Um, I believe that will be involved in here too, but eventually, I don't know if this is now, but they have installed a new way to dock that the Crew Dragon will be able to do, which uses lasers to align um, the spacecraft for docking to make things easier and obviously more automatic so that even if there wasn't anybody on board to, to operate the crew the, the Canadarm2 to, to bring it back in, they could dock. Um, so I'm not sure if they're using that today. Um, I know both Starliner and Crew Dragon will use it, but um, that is something for the future and uh, just to make this all better. And you can imagine once we start going to having a station around uh, the moon and then around Mars at some point, um, that kind of technology will be used so that obviously we may not, for the first one, have anybody on board those stations. We could bring people um, and dock without needing all, all the extra help on the other side of that hatch. I've heard that rumble before, but it's a whole different feeling when you've got your own team on that rocket, and uh, and they are our team. They are it's America's man. team. Okay. This is Launch America. This is everything that America has to offer in its purest form. And times are tough right now. There there is no doubt. Um, we've got the coronavirus pandemic. We have other challenges as a country. But I hope this moment in time is an opportunity for everybody to reflect on humanity and what we can do when we work together, when we when we strive, and when we achieve. And if this can inspire a young child to become the next Elon Musk or the next Jeff Bezos or the next Sir Richard Branson, uh, then that's what this is all about. Or the next Jim Bryan stuff. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't put me in that category. But, well, we appreciate your leadership. For the so that man right there, uh, very, very influential in, in doing all the, the grunt work of politics to... To, to get us to the point where we have bipartisan uh, agreement on this and uh, dealing with the hardest part of space travel, honestly, is the politics. And he's he's been a soldier for the space program to get us to this point. So big props to him for that. All right, folks, uh, that's that's it for today. They, they are on their 19-hour, a little less now, trip to the International Space Station. They are going to get in phase with the space station, so they're going just as fast, 17,500 miles per hour, um, so that they're basically stationary, and then slowly make moves to get to the docking position. So thank you all for joining us. Thank you all for your questions and, and, and your good vibes. They've, they've launched. We've launched human beings uh, again as America. Uh, we no longer need to pay $80 million per seat to just send one astronaut. We can do it ourselves um, and recover the first stage to use it again. So th these are fascinating times. Uh, Demo 2, so far, it's, it's going off well. We've got the rest of the mission docking. Um, we'll be back uh, at some point to cover this. But, folks, thank you again for joining us today in Space Podcast. Um, much love. Spread science. Oh, William Shatner. That's right. We had Bill Nye and William Shatner. This is crazy, guys. Have a good day. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And we'll talk to you soon.